get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast right around the world, a very warm welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia. I'm your host, Gary Lowe. This week, I was in Western Australia in downtown Leeming. Someone came up to me and asked, hey, what's the name of the podcast? And I said, the Yellow Ball Podcast, get involved. Again, no NICL action, no National Indoor Cricket League action this weekend, but it doesn't mean that the indoor cricket content doesn't continue to roll. I'm really excited about this episode, in fact, because we have got two real bookends of the indoor cricketing world. We have Tony Panicasio, who's joined the podcast, and uh, a couple of weeks ago during the Masters National Championships in Salisbury, he announced his retirement from active playing. He's still will be coaching in various aspects, and I won't talk about it too much, as, of course, the interview will cover that. But Tony Panicasio is retired from playing uh, his indoor cricket. And on the other end of the scale, Stevie Hogan, 11-year-old Stevie Hogan, just at the beginning of his indoor cricketing journey. Very proud to have him on. It is a scary thing getting in front of a lot of people and talking or getting in front of a big microphone and having a chat. Some people balk at it. Uh, he came in here and completely dominated it. Just an 11-year-old, uh, but a very, very mature head on his shoulders. So we thought it'd be pretty cool here at the Yellow Ball Podcast headquarters to have two real differences, someone right at the end of their playing career and someone right at the very start. It was a pleasure having both of them on and maybe we'll start with the young man who's at the beginning, Stevie Hogan and his dad and coach, Frank Hogan, joined us here in the studio. We interrupt this podcast for a shout out to our indoor cricket sponsors, Sportscast, the official broadcast partner and Burley Seacombe, the official ball supplier of the National Indoor Cricket League. So I'm joined here in the recording studios with Stevie Hogan and his dad and coach, Frank Hogan. Stevie, thanks for coming along, mate. Yep, thank you. Oh, good. You're not nervous, are you, pal? No. You're sure? Yeah. You wouldn't lie to me? No. There's a lot of listeners? Yeah. Ah, good man. And uh, the man to your left, uh, he's your dad, Frank Hogan, and he's the coach. Uh, You're playing in the under-13 Queensland team this year, is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Cool. And um, your dad is a pretty good coach? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good, just yeah. pretty good. What makes uh, what makes a good indoor cricket coach? Do you think? Um, all the drills we do, like, makes all the drills like like fun and also makes like skills like mm-hmm. makes better skills and like doing accurate throws and like getting awareness to the ball and like stuff okay. like that. And um, that's interesting that you say that. So. Batting or fielding, which one do you prefer to do the most? I prefer to bat. You prefer to bat? Yeah. Okay. And with the fielding side of things, you just talked about it, uh, a ball awareness. That's a very mature thing to say. What, what do you mean by ball awareness? Um, I mean, like, when you're fielding, like, front court, you need to be aware to the ball. Like, yep. when the ball comes onto the bat, you can't just be, like, slacking off because it can come at you, like, any time. How old are you? 11. You sure you're not 21? Really? Okay, yeah. cool. And you mentioned fun. Yeah. Cricket's fun, is it? Yeah. Very fun? Yeah. Is it a big part of indoor cricket? Oh, uh, yeah. It is? Yeah. And when you go down, your which city are you going to to play nationals? Uh, Melbourne. Melbourne? Yeah. There's some pretty new courts there, big crowds. Do you ever get 
bit nervous sometimes when you have to go out there and all these people are watching and, oh, no, I'm playing for Queensland. Uh, not really, no. No, because you play... Tell the truth. What oh, we... no, Dad's jumped in. He's cooked <laughs> you. in. He's cooked you. But nervous is all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's right. It is okay to be nervous. And you seem to be doing quite well in the interview so far, which I'll be telling you right now, <laughs> I would be very, very nervous. Um, you play indoor cricket and outdoor cricket. Oh, yeah. Do you think that indoor cricket is good for outdoor cricket and outdoor cricket is good for indoor cricket? Like vice versa, they can work well together? Yeah, I think indoor cricket's good for outdoor cricket because if you're batting, like, it's not like you can play a false shot or, Mm -hmm. like, field worse in outdoor. Yeah. But I I don't think outdoor is good for you indoor, but it doesn't hurt. It's not like you play worse shots or field worse. Yeah, so it can't hurt your game in any way. If you're an outdoor cricketer and you want to play indoor cricket, it's not going to hurt your game at all in in your opinion. Yeah. Cool. And, Frank, tell me about this young man, Stevie Hogan. He's a run-scoring machine (laughs) in outdoor cricket, and I've seen him play a bit of indoor cricket as well. Uh, What what makes him just – just live and breathe cricket and be quite good at it. Mate, I've got to be honest, I've got five kids, I have no idea. Really? <laughs> just a bit of a potluck? Look, you know what, he just loves cricket um, and he works hard at it. So, yeah, he is a run-scoring machine, but um, he just loves playing. And our emphasis is always on, you know, we talk about having fun when we're doing drills at training. Mm-hmm. It is on that. You know, we play cricket because it's fun. Yeah. We all play. And that's uh, a real key part to it as well. I remember, this is going back a very long time. You Because com- we go back a long time. We way, do yes. go back a long yeah. time. For those playing the home game, uh, I first started my indoor cricket journey with Frank Hogan. He gave me my first job. I'm not going to say how much you paid me now, Frank, because it would be much, considered yes. slave labor yeah. in 2019. Um, uh, that was uh, Turn of the century, guess. Just go with that. A long time ago. Um, I've lost my train of thought. What was I going with that? What were we talking about? I don't it's know, fun. Mate, it's but good. Yes, yep. no, you were doing some drills um, at Kabulcha, you were, mm. and these kids would have been, they were younger than Stevie for sure, and you were practicing, you say, you've missed the ball, and they put your hand up and say no to the non-striker or oh, okay. hit the ball. Yep. Yes. Using your big boy voice. Yes. So yeah. we do that with the younger ones when we're teaching them to run between wickets. Right. So the big boy voice is, uh, you know, it's, it's the kids getting a bit of confidence out there and enough confidence to... You know, to call loudly, which you need to do. Yeah. And particularly in indoor cricket, um, it's quite a noisy indoor sports arena, Stevie, would you say? Oh, yeah, very noisy. Yeah, and um, I've been to Casey Indoor Sports Centre or Indoor Sports Stadium uh, down in Melbourne. It is huge. There's going to be some big crowds, so um, you'll have to use a pretty big voice in there. You ready for it? Yeah. Tell me about uh, your favourite outdoor cricket player. Uh, my favourite outdoor cricket player at the moment is probably Tim Payne. Tim Payne. What makes Tim Payne good? Um, Tim Payne just shows like great leadership in what he does and also a very good batting wicketkeeper. Yeah. And uh, our podcast producer, Juzzy, um, we're looking at him. He seems to be enjoying that. Tim Payne, a bit of a favourite. Uh, indoor cricketers. Now, I know you've got three. Uh, I'm going to talk about one, though, in particular, Rob Fitzgerald. One of your favourite three indoor cricket players. What makes him so good? He's really experienced and, like I say, really aware to the game and extremely good at batting, bowling and fielding. Okay. Well, um, we've actually got something we'd uh, like to play for you, mate. Uh, We might do that now. Hey, Stevie. It's Rob Fitzgerald here. 
I would like to congratulate you on your success so far for both indoor and outdoor cricket. With all your dedication to cricket, I'm sure you will play for Australia one day. Just remember one little tip, Stevie. Make sure you enjoy every moment of playing. I hope to see you soon. Steve, Rob Fitzgerald, what do you think? Um, hearing that, hearing one of your favourite indoor cricket players uh, congratulate you on all your achievements and he thinks you're going to play for Australia one day. Does that make you feel pretty good? Yeah. Do you think you'll play for Australia one day? Um, if I keep working hard and keep improving. This kid is not 11. Frank, is he? Are you, <laughs> give his birth certificate. Mate, I haven't prepped him at all either. How I ma- didn't even know what we were doing tonight. So how that's just mature how he is this young man? That is an extremely mature response. Have you seen him bat? I have seen him bat. <laughs> so, mate. He's not lacking confidence, mate. No, obviously not. Um, you know, is that your goal? Is that what you want to – but what do you want to be when you grow up, I suppose, is the important um, thing. Professional cricket player. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That that falls in line with everything we're talking about. Um, obviously, at the moment, you can't be a professional indoor cricket player and make a living at this stage. Maybe one day, mate. I You're think leading so. the way with I making think, money out of the sport, surely. Uh, I think um, <laughs> the leadership team at Cricket Australia are, are doing a wonderful job, uh, and uh, I'm not sure what kind of role I'll be playing in amongst that, but thanks, Frank. Um, you know, and, of course, in conjunction with the High Performance Committee that do such wonderful things. Um, I think there could come a time where you can uh, make a reasonable living from indoor cricket. That's uh, what I see from indoor cricket, being on Fox Sports and getting all that coverage and uh, getting the big sponsors in. But at the moment, uh, outdoor cricket might be it. So professional cricketer for Australia. Yeah. How old do you want to be when you make your test debut for Australia, Stevie? Um, around 20. I'm glad you didn't say 15, mate. At least you're realistic <laughs> with your thoughts. That's good. Round 20. T20 player, one day internationals or test match, which is your arena? Um, I think I, I can play all. Yeah, why not? Why um, not? Okay. And you'll be uh, a batsman, op- uh, opening batter? Uh, probably number three or four. Okay. Is there a difference between opening the bat and batting at three or four? Uh, not really because, if, say, if you lose a wicket first ball, you still have to come in facing the swinging ball and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've seen your dad play some outdoor cricket before. Uh, he was okay. Frank, what do you reckon? I'll go with okay, guys. Go with that, okay. That, I'm happy with that. Yeah, so you haven't been passing any bad um, he actually He actually played his first men's game with us a couple of years ago. Um, so he's already been playing men's cricket. And we talked about it a little bit off air as well. He's playing a lot of cricket beyond his years. He's playing in our under-13 Queensland side and he's 11. You've just crowbarred in there quite nicely, so I'll segue to it. He's played in a men's game as well. Um in terms of development, is that kind of a bit of rationale as to why he's progressed so well? There, there's a balance. There's a balance you've got to keep there, Gaz. And one is you've got to you've got to challenge talent. The only way to do that is to play them against stronger players. Mm-hmm. But with kids, they've got to enjoy playing, so they need to also be playing with their own age group. Yeah. Um, as we said at the outset, this is about having fun while you're playing, and so you you just want to be a bit careful. You don't want them just playing older. You don't want them just playing men, so to speak. They've got to enjoy playing. And if they if they aren't enjoying it, you tend to burn the player and, yeah. and they don't come back. Yeah, mate. And it happens. If, you, if you're not yeah, enjoying does. playing, you don't play good. It's pretty much that simple. Yeah. And Stevie, if you were going to give some advice to a coach, if you were going to say, oh, this is all coaches all the way around in indoor cricket, uh, for them to be a good coach, uh, what would your advice be to them? Um, maybe be like. Don't say be like dad. 
Don't say be like Dad. Don't say that. Yeah. Not be like mean to the players, but be a bit harsh on them. Not just if they get out for like zero runs. Not just be like, oh, unlucky. Just say what you could improve on and stuff like that. So you're open to some constructive feedback from your coach? Yeah. Cool. So I think that you're a young man that um, is really keen on a bit of development. Is is that right? Would that be a fair comment to say to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that's something uh, quite salient. Well, salient means quite important. It's a really important um, point that you raised there that uh, it's okay to sometimes be honest and open with the player as long as it's in a constructive and, and as you said, not in a mean way. Okay. Are you going to coach one day? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, when you do, can I be one of your first students, mate? I'm happy for you to coach an open men's side. Um, not that I'm making too many open men's sides these days. Maybe a D-grade um, a D grade side somewhere. I guess we have ga- we have grades for your age now. Yeah, mate. do we? Yeah, <laughs> masters. Um, mate, one last question for you. The World Cup's going on at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Uh, good friend of the show, Michael Clark, uh, could be coming on this podcast, and that's fair income. Really? Can, yes, that that'd is fair income. That'd be frigging awesome. That guys. is that is fair income. Um, we talked about it in, in the last podcast. We're still a little bit away from the dartboard. I what did I say last week? Twenty meters away, going for the bullseye. But we know someone who knows someone who knows Michael Clark, and we're going to try and get him in contact with him. And he's over there commentating at the moment the T, uh, not the T20s, the One Day International World Cup. Who do you think is going to win that World Cup? Um, I think there's like a lot of teams that could win it, but one of the f- f- favourites are probably England, but I reckon India or Australia may like take over and like just pass them in like maybe batting. Now you said runs. India, you were talking to your dad, uh, you said India – and Frank Hogan thought that you were a bit of a goose and you were no yep. chance. I didn't rate him. Didn't rate him? No, nah, I said they don't have enough swing bowlers. They can't possibly win the World Cup. That was before last night's game. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then what happened in the last game, Stevie? Um, India. India, get up. <laughs> yeah. What's the go with that? So what were, the, what were the teams again? You've got India, Australia. England. England. New Zealand. New Zealand. Pick one for me, mate. Pick one. I think probably... India will probably India. Oh, wow! All right. <laughs> what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to cycle back to this at the end of the World Cup, and we're going to play Stevie Hogan's prediction. India. You've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. He's not biased. Obviously, who do you want to win? Australia, of course. But um, it's a uh, it's uh, a very measured response. You're going for who you think, not who you want. They're two very different things. Um. Mate, is there anything before we let you go and get out of here that you'd like to say maybe to your mum or dad if they've been pretty big supporters of your cricket throughout your life? Yeah, I think my dad has coached me like all my life and been All there. his life, he's 11. Yeah. All his life, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mum for supporting me pretty much every game I play and just taking me to the games and just being really supportive. Yeah. Well, mate, I can I can say something to you as an outsider uh, from your family. I'm not a part of the Hogan clan, but um, your mum is head over heels proud of you. Um, anywhere I go and I run into Christine Hogan, uh, she loves bailing me up and I'm, I'm trapped. I can't get away and she talks to me about you. 
Uh, she talks to me about how proud she is of you and what you're doing and uh, the many hours that you spend researching about cricket. And she said he doesn't just watch the games, he, he studies them. And when the bowler comes in, he'd be like, oh, that's Zampa and that's his wrong and he could do this and he's he's got a faster ball he puts in. So uh, she's very proud of you, mate. So I'm, I'm sure that she's very grateful to hear you give out a bit of shout out to her, mate. She'll love that. All right. Hey, mate. Wasn't too bad coming in and talking into the big scary mic. No. You're going to listen to the podcast? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Frank, can you get him to listen to the podcast, please? Mike? Well, I'll have to get someone to show me how to use technology, <laughs> mate, but yes. <laughs> well, uh, Frank Hogan and Stevie Hogan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. You are the youngest person to come on the podcast, and I think you'll probably be the youngest ever. I can't see. God, I thought you were going to look at me and say I was the oldest. No, no, you're not the bookends, mate. I think uh, I don't want to throw um, – Shepley under so the bus. I, I, was yeah. going, I was looking in Shepley's direction, uh, of course, Hall of Fame inductee, but um, I think it's very brave for you to come in, mate, and I'm, I'm very, very glad that you came in because uh, the juniors are such an vital and important part of indoor cricket, and uh, to have you come in and have a chat, mate, uh, it means a world to the podcast, and I know Rob Fitzgerald uh, was thrilled to be able to give you a message as well. So, Stevie, thanks for dropping by, mate. Thank you. And Frank Hogan, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. No worries. Cricket, the classic Aussie game that we love to play anywhere we can. The beach, the backyard, the local park, and if you're lucky, the MCG. It can even be played indoors. Indoor cricket is a fun, social and quick game that can be played all year round. And it's for kids and adults of all abilities. You only need teams of six or eight and everyone bats and bowls. Join an existing competition or start your own indoor cricket team. Visit playcricket.com. .com.au to find out more. So moving on to a somewhat more serious topic, uh, Stevie Hogan's uncle, his uncle Paul, succumbed to brain cancer in 2016. And there is a charity event taking place, a blind cricket game with Samuel Johnson. And it is a wonderful endeavour that's been undertaken. So as some of you might know, Samuel Johnson, uh, he's on a quest to raise $10 million towards cancer research. How good's that? Uh, He's almost there, and uh, some good people out in the community have decided that they're going to roll up their sleeves and try and help out. So Sammy Johnson is currently travelling the big wide country of Australia, doing everything he can to raise the money, and they're going to be putting together this blind cricket game to raise some funds. And Stevie Hogan has put his hand up, and he wants to be a participant in it. Each player uh, requires a sponsorship of $250, and all that money goes to Samuel Johnson and his noble endeavours to raise money uh, for that cancer research. And Stevie Hogan, well, he's looking for a sponsor. So if you've got a spare 250 quid and you'd like to donate to an extremely worthy cause and help Stevie play in this game, by all means, get in contact with the podcast, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com. There is also a Facebook page it's out and about. It's called Save the Date Blind Cricket Game with Samuel Johnson. Uh, Christine Hogan, who is Stevie's mother, I'm sure if you get in contact with her, she'd love to guide you in the right direction. So congratulations to all those involved to make life as simple as we possibly can. We'll also put the link to this event in the podcast description. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Yeah, a big thank you to Frank and Stevie for coming in. Uh, Again, I was really amazed in that interview how mature Stevie is. He's 11 years old and some of those responses uh, just blew me away. Uh, He's uh, quite a a mature 
young man, and uh, he also holds a couple of leadership positions. We were talking off air. He holds some leadership positions at his school, and I think he's going to go long, a long way in the sport. Uh, and a very big thank you uh, to Robert Fitzgerald, uh, who sent out a message to Stevie. I uh, just want to thank him very much for his efforts. It uh, is very much appreciated, and it's always a pleasure to have Rob Fitzgerald involved in the podcast. He's certainly a good friend of the show, and uh, he's more than welcome to sit across from me here in the studios, jump on the mic and have a chat about all things yellow ball. Uh, we'll now go to the interview with Tony Panacasio that was recorded when he retired from indoor cricket. Uh, this was down at the Masters Championships just a few weeks ago. I was going to go through your resume and it is too lengthy, mate. I was going to be up all night. It would have taken me about four days. So in a, in a 15 to 20 second wrap up, can you explain what your involvement with indoor cricket has been over the years? Uh, okay, well, started as a 16-year-old with an outdoor coach who took us all to an indoor centre to play. Fell in love with the game from there. Which indoor cricket centre was that? That was Bankstown back in the ICA days, so that's, goodness knows, 40 years ago from today. Um, then, uh, obviously played in New South Wales, uh, played it for Sutherland. We won a state title, which was a highlight at the time, and then somebody cottoned on to Masters and started a Masters career that's gone for the last 23 years through the ages from 30 in each division up to 50s this year. And you've been heavily invested in the coaching side of things, both at a state and uh, international level? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to coach the state at men's opens level. I uh, was lucky enough in 2005 to coach the ladies' 30s to South Africa. Um, was manager in the under-19s in South Africa in 2011 and then more recently to the Dubai World Cup where I was one of the assistant coaches to Brenton Bryan with the under-21s and lucky enough to have had a few tours playing for Australia in the Masters as well in 2001 and 2003. So, been around for a little while? Yeah, longevity has sort of helped me out a little bit, I suppose. And as some people will tell you, when you only walk in off three or four steps, you can sort of get through the game pretty easily. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, your coaching side of things and you've been a part of uh, many of a selection panel. Um, what is it that you look for in a player? Uh, is it purely about their skill level or is there some kind of character um, that you look for in an individual um, in de- determining what kind of mix they're going to be in the team or how do you know that they're going to be a-, a good fit for the squad? When you, especially at the elite level, one of the things that I found is you know, the guys already have the skills. Mm-hmm. So whether it's batting, bowling, fielding, they come with that package. And so what you're really looking for, from my point of view, is that guy that when the chips are down can can lift and, and make that difference to a side. And it becomes pretty obvious that um, when you're watching those sort of guys, they stand out mm-hmm. and they help make the team. It's not just about whether you're a good batter or a good bowler. It's it's what else you can bring to it. And we've been lucky in all our teams with that, especially at the elite level. Some people say it's hard to get into a representative side, but it's harder to get out of it. Do you think that that is a, an absolute garbage philosophy and that uh, there's always an opportunity for a new upcoming player to be selected? I think the more the games become more semi-professional as we're going, that that is old news. Yep. Now it's really about are you able to bring to the table what the selectors want. And I think you'll find with especially with the changing now of the, the old guard of Ross Gregory and, and Billy who had such tremendous success over such a long period of time. So they were able to carry us through. Um, now the world's getting closer to us in all our grades. The recent World Cup in Dubai showed that. Yep. And so really now, yeah, if people can stand up, you'll, you'll have your core group of players that certainly the guys you rely on. But I think there's always opportunity. It has, has been seen in the last few World Cups where there's been two or three bolters that have had great weeks and have deserved their place. Um, you've made light on that the sport is becoming much more professional. Semi-professional was the word that you used. What is it that you've seen as 
indoor cricket has developed in the modern day game, which has made it more professional than I'll say the olden days. I don't want to make you feel like an old bloke here at Masters, mate. But what is it that about the sport that's made it more professional? Well, it's not just about turning up and playing. There's a whole lot of preparation now that you can see with the guys and it goes not just from the training but even from your dietary requirements, everything about the game, the mental application to the game. So the guys are much more rounded as far as what they can bring to the table. I want to talk about you as an individual player now. Um, You've dropped a bombshell. You've dropped a massive bombshell. Um, When was the first time you represented New South Wales? 1997. 1997. We're now here in 2019 and you've decided that this is going to be your last tournament as an athlete, as a player. Um, What brought you to that decision and when did you know it was finally time? Yeah, look, you always wonder as you get older whether or not what's a good time to go and I think that from my point of view... I'm still playing at a reasonable sort of capacity and it was the time. The time just seemed right and I knew that playing this week, it, it felt the right decision. Plus, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to um, have been given the men's opens manager's position now. Oh. So looking to probably change the focus and looking in a new direction. So I've been happy with, I, I, I couldn't have asked for any more. The guys that I've met, the friendships, um, the chance to represent my country. I mean, all that is just memories that have been priceless and it's time to move on. Uh, during your playing career, is there a couple of specific moments that would be the highlight of your time? Oh, look, playing in a World Cup final. Um, we were talking about this earlier. Andy Walton, who just won uh, the 50s Masters there, was playing for England at the time and I was lucky enough to be at the back stumps when Cole Robinson, Bruce Reid and Peter Gladigo wow. bowled three of the fastest over I've ever, ever seen in indoor cricket. So yeah. um, that highlight, winning a World Cup as a player and probably being as the um, coach of the ladies in 2005, winning the Masters Series away from home and, of course, the World Cup with uh, the 21s in Dubai which went down to the last ball against New Zealand. So I uh, needed the defib machine just nearby, mate. It was a bit of a heart stopper. Yeah, I think sometimes the coaching side of it's harder because you, you can prepare all you want, but once they're out there, they're on their own and you just hope that the training and everything you put into it comes through and so far, touch wood, we have. Yeah, and that's interesting. Um, we were talking off air as well. It's not that you feel that you're not physically able to continue on. You said, you know, you're in arguably some of the best shape that you've been in in quite some time, but it is purely just that that, that focus now that you want to get inside of that, that person management and the more development. I mean, you've been heavily involved in the development of indoor cricket for as long as I've ever been involved in indoor cricket, but it's now something that you really want to put all your focus and attention to. Yeah, look, I mean, at the moment, this year, as an example, coaching New South Wales Men's Opens, assisting with the under 17 girls and playing Masters, something had to give. And as I said, with the new position now as the Australian men's manager, I want to devote 110% to that. So, Well, on behalf of a, a forever grateful indoor cricket community, I think we're probably happy to hear that because um, you're quite right. And I mentioned it in the broadcast yesterday as well. The world is getting smaller, my friend, and those other nations, they are chomping at the bit. I, I, exactly what you said just now, I said the other day, I'm in complete agreement with you. Um, new Zealand, they are, they're like hawks, mate. They're watching everything that we're doing. Yeah, look, the Trans-Tasman this year will be a good gauge to see where we're at because, you know, playing them in their backyard, they will come out hard and want to make a statement before next year's World's Cup. Yep. And last question I'll ask you, is indoor cricket as good as it it can ever possibly be or or can it get bigger and better than this? Oh, look, you know, I I look at the athleticism and the standard of what our elite level is now and, you know, there were great players in the past, but these guys are just phenomenal athletes now and it'd just be nice if we can just get that little bit extra sort of exposure for it and people can see just what a magnificent game it is at the high level, so. Well, mate, uh, the Panacasio family has always been involved in indoor cricket and you've given so much time um, and indoor cricket is, is a big community, but it takes a few people with a lot of 
um, big hearts and a lot of volunteer time um, to get these things done and you've always done that and you've always had plenty of time for me as an individual mate so um, uh, although I've been a bit of a pest from time to time chasing you around indoor cricket centre saying hey come over and have a chat on the Yellow Ball podcast so mate thanks so much for your time and uh, for your playing career to come to an end um, it's been a pleasure to be able to watch you but um, I think uh, we're all breathing a bit of a sigh of relief, mate. You're still going to hang around uh, and, and, and be involved in the coaching uh, side of things. So congratulations on your playing career and we wish you all the very best uh, for the mentorship of the Australian and, and state sides that you look after moving forward. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Guys. No worries. Thanks for being on the Yellow Ball podcast. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much to Tony Panicasio for spending some time with the Yellow Ball podcast. We certainly do appreciate his Precious time during the tournament. He had a lot of things that he needed to be doing. Uh, the Panacasio family, outstanding servants to the sport of indoor cricket. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Well, folks, as always, you can contact us at yellowballpodcast at gmail.com. In particular, don't forget, there is a chance that Michael Clark will be coming on this podcast. It certainly isn't set in concrete. He is a good friend of the show. Let's not forget that. But it hasn't been set in concrete yet, but we need to start getting ready. We need to get all our ducks lined up in case M. Clark comes on the Yellow Ball podcast. So if you have a question that you would like us to ask Michael Clark, please let us know. We'd love some really great questions to fire his way. Yellowballpodcast at gmail.com. Send them through. We think that out in the indoor cricket community, there's got to be some absolute ripping questions, and uh, we look forward to hearing them. And likewise, uh, Juzzy, the podcast producer on the Pots and Pans, he's uh, been sharing with me all the different countries that this podcast has reached. There is so many of them, and there's some wacky ones that I would never have imagined that this podcast would be reaching. So if you're joining us from across the seas, across the oceans, please let us know too where you're listening from. Uh, what kind of indoor cricket journey have you been on? Uh, you know, we'd love to hear what indoor cricket's like in the various countries, Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe, uh, the United States we saw the other day. Um, and we know that um, Tony Watkins, the uh, WYCF or the World Indoor Cricket Federation president, was having discussions with the USA potentially being at the next World Cup. So there's obviously some of you in Yankee land who are enjoying indoor cricket. So by all means, let us know. We'd love to hear from you again to get in contact with us. It is Podcast at gmail.com. That's it for this week. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Get in touch with us anytime, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com.